0: You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. Does this sound familiar to anybody else? Uh, Your alarm clock goes off at 6.30 in the morning or whatever time it is, and you roll out of bed, and you got to wake the kids up, and then you make your way into the kitchen to begin making lunches for everybody. You get your kids out to the bus stop just in time for the bus to roll by, and, and you go to the kitchen for just a second to pour yourself a cup of coffee. But as you do, the coffee splatters out of the cup all over your shirt that you have been planning on wearing today, and so it's all messed up. So then you run to your bedroom, and you look for a new shirt. And as you're digging through your clothes, you realize apparently it's like four days past laundry day, and you didn't realize it, and so now you're going through your closet, and luckily there's that shirt in the closet that you meant to donate to Goodwill like nine months ago, but you didn't, but you're glad you did today because it's still there, so you put it on even though you don't want to, and as you run out the door, you realize, I don't have my car keys, so you run back into the house, and you tear your house to pieces looking for your car keys, only to find them behind the refrigerator for some reason, and you pull them out, and you get in the car, and you realize you've now left the house five minutes too late, too late to miss that 730 traffic that you always try to miss well because you hit the traffic you're 10 minutes late for work so you run inside and you've got a pile of stuff on your desk since yesterday and you, and you launch into whatever it is that you do every day whether it's meetings or appointments or projects or maybe you're someone who's just kind of tethered to a, a station all day and you do the same seven tasks over and over and over like you're some sort of a conveyor belt robot and you work and work and work and work and maybe you get an hour off for lunch but then finally five o'clock rolls around 5 30 whatever You go out to your car, (sighs) you take a deep breath because finally you can relax and get on with your afternoon. But oh no, I just remember it's my day to pick up Susie from cheerleading practice because it's Thursday. Is it Thursday? Is it Thursday or is it Wednesday? Because on Thursday you have to pick up, you know, Susie from cheerleading practice, but on Wednesday I've got Johnny and he's got that debate club thing that he does, and I'm not really sure why he does debate club, but it makes him happy. So we let him do it anyway, and then you snap out of your daydream only to realize oh, but still I gotta decide what day it is. And then you decide that you do need to pick up Susie, but it turns out that you actually were supposed to pick her up at four o'clock. So you call the other homeschool person that was that was supposed to pick them up and, and carpool and, and you know what whatever. It's crazy. It's crazy. How in the world do we keep up? Does that sound familiar? And maybe for you it's not kids and it's not work and maybe your life is a little bit more organized than that. But my guess is you've had moments where you take a step back and you just go, how do we balance it all? I'm doing too much. I've got too much on my plate. I'm too busy. It seems like every week I have a conversation with somebody that I haven't talked to in a while and I say, so how you been? And what's their response? Busy. Been busy. Just staying busy. So busy. It's just our pre-programmed response. It's what we say to people when someone asks us how we're doing. And I don't think we really fully grasp what we're saying. We're busy. Which means I don't really have room for anything else right now. Things are packed. I got a lot going on. I'm trying to stay busy. Now, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's real. Today we are stepping into week two of our teaching series I'm calling Soul Food. Digging into God. Because I'm convinced that there are some things in our life that could be improved and it has to happen on the soul level. The spiritual level. My goal through these next five uh, weeks is to discover how we might dig into God and grow spiritually. What I mean is We're spiritual beings. We have souls, and our souls, much like our physical bodies, they need to be fed. They need to be nurtured. Your spiritual health fuels the rest of you, and God has given us tools for our nourishment spiritually. And here's the thing. You don't have to be uh, someone with some pompous title to have spiritual growth. You don't have to have a degree in theology. To grow spiritually. Now, I think that we can actually all attain this in a fairly simple manner. Especially today with today's idea. Today's idea is simple. I want to take a look at a story from the Bible where Jesus lays it out. Every week we take a look at the Bible to find the answers to life's most important questions. And today we'll be in the New Testament, uh, which is like the last third of the Bible here where we learn about the life and teachings of Jesus and the history of the early church. And we're going to be in the book of Luke. Uh, Luke is one of the four books in the Bible that's about the life and teachings of Jesus, specifically kind of a biography of Jesus' life, and specifically the the ministry he had in about the last three and a half years of his life. And what we pick up in Luke is in chapter 10. Uh, Jesus has been busy, but not busy doing bad things, not busy being uh, stretched too thin, busy doing God's work. He's come back to a town that he's been to before called Bethany. Uh, Bethany uh, is just a little suburb of Jerusalem. It's about two hours east of Jerusalem. So just imagine, uh, you know, hopping in the car and and heading over to Leland. I mean, Basically, you're looking at that distance from this major city of Jerusalem, just on the outskirts of that. And so Jesus, as always, he's traveling with his crew of disciples, and they decide to stop in on some dear friends. And so what we're going to do here in Luke chapter 4 is pick up, uh, Luke chapter 10, sorry, is pick up at verse 38. Let's read that together. Luke 10, 38 through 40. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened their home to him. She had a sister named Mary. Mary, we got Mary, Martha. Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was so distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, so there they are, two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus spent about three and a half years, like I said, traveling around various regions of Palestine. Most of what we know about Jesus' teachings is from this short period of time. And, but as they traveled, there were no hotels. There were no bed and breakfasts, There's no KOA campgrounds. You visited a city. You either stepped, uh, slept outside under the stars or under a tree or, or something. Or you make contact with somebody in the city, some, maybe somebody that you knew, a relative, or, or you just go to some kind person and ask if you could stay at their house. Well, uh, Mary and Martha were people that Jesus already knew. Uh, it looks like they were probably already friends. And so naturally, he stays at their house when he goes to Bethany. It's neat to have a little picture into the life. Of Jesus as we look at a story like this because a lot of times we see Jesus interacting with famous people or great religious leaders or uh or crowds of people thousands of people you know multitudes of people but here we find Jesus as a real dude and he's just hanging out with some friends and he shows up at their house it's a little picture into that side of Jesus Mary and Martha are people that pop up several times in Jesus's story um and this story gives us one little snapshot into their lives and what they were all about and into the relationship they had with Jesus. And Like, have you ever been walking down the road, maybe downtown, you're just walking down the sidewalk or, or you're in your neighborhood going for a walk or you're in, I don't know, a store or the mall or somewhere where there's a lot of people and you just cross paths with someone else. You just kind of walk past them and they walk past you. And as they walk past, you just, you catch a glimpse of the conversation that they're having with someone else. And so you hear like one sentence out of their mouth. You just walk by and you hear something crazy like, so I hid his toupee, and get this, he's been wearing a hat for four days, and then they walk by, and you're like, what? What was that about? I want to know more of the story. Like, why, who is toupee man? Like, why did you take his toupee? And like, is he your neighbor? Is he your granddad? Is he, is he your boyfriend? Your husband? Like, why Why did you take his toupee? And, and why does he feel like he needs to wear a hat? Is he hiding something? But you don't, you'll never know, because that conversation's over and past and gone. And you just get a snapshot of their life. And from then on, if you ever see that person again, you're like, hey, it's, it's toupee, guys, toupee, girl, whatever. My wife and I, we go on these dates. Uh, we love to go out to to cool restaurants. And, and we've been married 11 years now. Uh, so dates mean something a little bit different than they used to. Uh, my, my wife is a stay-at-home mom, uh, and she is a homeschool mom. And so she teaches our kids every day. And so date night is really just code for go somewhere and sit quietly together at night because we need that, right? And so what will happen often is we'll go to these restaurants and you've done this. You're sitting in a restaurant and it gets kind of quiet and you're just kind of taking in the atmosphere, but you realize that someone at the table who the room for you is actually having a pretty interesting conversation. And so you're starting to hone in and listen to what they're talking about. And often uh, either me or my wife will we'll bust the other one. And uh, so she'll be sitting there and I'll be like, hey, you're you're eavesdropping on their conversation, aren't you? Like, you're totally listening to them. You are. And you're like, shh, sh, stop. am trying to hear what they're saying. And I'm like, well, no, they're actually talking about their new dog. It's not a big deal. It's not a very funny story. Because I was listening too, right? And And that's how it goes. The, the truth is, I think that in general, most people like to see how other people live. And we like to get a glimpse into their life and see, like, I don't know why we do that. I think maybe at the core, we just want to know that we're normal and the things that other people are doing are the same things we're doing. And we also like to watch a train wreck. And so if something crazy is happening, we like to, we like to see that too. It's, we're nosy. It's why reality TV is still a thing. Um, if it wasn't true, reality TV would have bombed in the 90s and nobody would have watched Survivor Season 2. But we just like to see people's life as real as it can be. And those brief moments, they're not the full picture of that person's life, but it's a snapshot it's a, it's a window into what someone else's life might be like. It's what real life is. And well, this is what we get in this story with Jesus and Mary and Martha. It's a snapshot. It's a snapshot into what their life really was. And so it's kind of like we're sitting out on the patio of their house, sipping a cup of coffee, and we're listening in through the window to what's happening. And so let's just kind of unpack what we just read a few minutes ago. Off the bat, as, as Luke is telling this story, he draws our attention to the Very different reactions that Mary and Martha have to Jesus being in their house. So first there's Mary. Let's look at verse 39 again. It says, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Again, this is just a snapshot of Mary. We don't see the full picture of who she is or what she's into. But Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Which, let's be honest, in our culture would be a little bit weird. Like if you invite me over to your house... Don't sit at my feet. Like, I'd much rather you sit on the couch, uh, maybe a, a chair in the kitchen. Like don't come sit on my feet or at my feet. Uh, but totally not weird in Jesus' culture. Uh, Jesus had the reputation of being a rabbi, uh, which is a Jewish teacher. And Mary, by sitting at his feet, is taking a posture that says a couple of things. First of all, it's, it's a sign of respect. Uh, not only is she saying, I respect you, but it's another posture. She's also saying, I am ready to learn. Teach me. We, in modern days, we might say, uh, I've, I studied at UNCW, or I got my degree from Cape Fear Community College. In their day, they would say, I studied at the feet of, and give the name of the rabbi. So Mary might say, I studied at the feet of Jesus. I also want to point something out that's interesting culturally here. The fact that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus is significant because she was a woman. And that position of disciple was the position of a man. Remember, this is the Middle East, and they actually haven't progressed much in the 2,000 years that's gone by since Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. But So you can imagine what it might be like for a woman to take the posture of a man in this situation. And I love that Jesus doesn't just run her off. Like, you woman, get out of here. Jesus, Jesus he believes it, Jesus teaches that, that idea that that everyone has the right to know about the truth of God, uh, whether you 're a man or a woman or whatever your background is. He takes people exactly where they are and, and he wants to teach everybody this love and but but it does put in perspective mary 's reaction uh, not mary sorry martha 's reaction martha 's the sister. so look at verse forty it says, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made in college. There was a, a choir that uh, I I traveled with, kind of a choral group. And we went around and we did concerts all over the place. And um, typically, we get free lodging in someone's house. So the city that we were staying in, our our director would line up um, places for us to stay. And most of the time, we stayed in pretty sweet places, some nice places. Like this one time, I got to stay in the house of this guy who was an inventor. And you know those things that you clip... Uh, onto a basketball goal, maybe you 've seen him at Walmart or something, and, and you shoot like you shoot the basketball into the goal and it 'll kind of it 'll funnel the ball right back out at you like through this little slide thing that you hook through to the basketball goal rim and and it just it just kind of shoots the ball right back at you every time that you shoot. This guy invented that thing, so this guy was rolling he was a he was a baller for real, like he had all kinds of money, and his house was super nice i just give you a picture of what his house looked like. he actually had a full court basketball court. In his house, his basement was a an all out arcade. Okay, so this is this guy's this is a rich house. Uh, we, we a lot of times that was the nicest house i ever stayed in. Uh, probably the nicest house I've ever been in outside of the Biltmore Estate on vacation. Um, but uh, this guy, uh, we stayed at people's houses. Well, one time I stayed at this this other house. It was uh, it was in West Virginia, uh, and uh, it was like the opposite of Basketball Guy's house this house was way back in the woods. It was a tiny house. Um, there were like 15 dogs living in the house. And like, I'm not like I felt like I deserved anything better than that. Like I don't come from money. I, I've never really had much money. Um don't feel like I needed anything big or nice or extravagant. Um, but this house was like an episode of Hoarders. You've seen that show? Like people just pile up junk in their houses. There's like piles of junk everywhere. It's nasty. They're Bugged, roaches all over the place. The kitchen is disgusting. I uh, said, so like they feed us supper, and I'm like kind of trying to not dry heave, just trying to be polite and not eat. And, but then they show me my room, and, uh, man, I, I put up with the, the nastiness all night until I get to my room, and it looked like it was probably the room of the toddlers, the, the child that lived there. And I go to uh, get ready for bed, and I pull back the covers, and under the covers was, it was like, matted dog hair and what looked like Cheerios and animal crackers all crumbled up in the bed it was disgusting and there was like a roach on the pillow oh so I just you know pulled the covers back up and I laid on top of the covers in all the clothes that I brought put them all on and slept on top of the covers with my hands crossed like a vampire in a casket all night long and I couldn't get out of there quick enough now here's the thing we understand hospitality um and it's pretty much common courtesy to at least kind of straighten up a little bit. And so Jesus has come to Mary's house. Not only is he a friend, but he's a celebrity and he's a rabbi. And so naturally she's getting a little bit distracted by the preparations. She wants to be a good hostess. Plus, like I said, there were some cultural taboos about women and such when it came to these preparations. Not to mention, remember, Jesus, Jesus rolls deep. Like his smallest entourage it's like 12 guys. So Martha probably does have some preparations to get to. She's in the back shaking the Cheerios out of the sheets or something. She's, she's a good hostess, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with what she's doing. It's her house, and she wants to be a good hostess. She's frustrated, though, that as she is working her butt off, her sister Mary is just sitting there. She's just sitting there, and so she takes her gripes to Jesus. Check out what she says in verse 40. It says, She came to him. And she asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I, I, just, uh, I just wish I could do that sometimes. Like you have somebody you just wish that you could just, God, would you just slap them? Would you just, would you just slap them and let them and let them know that they're doing something that's, that's stupid, that's wrong? And, and that's the way she feels. She goes to Jesus and she says this, but just is Jesus' response. He says, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. She just... The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is important. Only one thing is needed. He says, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Mary doesn't have done anything wrong here by making... By making preparations for her guests, Martha hasn't done anything wrong here. In fact, I'm sure that Jesus was very appreciative of the preparations that she made. I'm guessing that the guys enjoyed their dinner that night and the beds were clean. Notice, Jesus doesn't say, Martha, what are you thinking? I'm so disappointed in you for doing other things. You should be sitting at my feet. Nobody, but what he says is, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary... Mary's chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. And that's where our lesson comes in today. We are a people who are so worried about so many things that it's craziness, and it will drive you crazy. Not only that, it'll wear you out spiritually. And worst of all, you might miss sitting at the feet of Jesus. Can we talk about something real quick here? Something something so real. Let's talk about time. Time. Every day, each one of us gets 24 hours in a day to do what we need to do. I get 24, you get 24, the kids in the back there, they get 24, the government leaders and business tycoons of the world, they get 24. We all get the same 24 hours. And there's a pressure to fill it to the brim. Each one of us gets 24 hours. And my simple question is, how do you choose what to fill it with? My daughter has this really funny habit. Uh, she loves little bags and containers and pocketbooks. She loves them and she loves, she loves collecting bags and containers and she loves filling them with all kinds of stuff. We'll be making a quick trip to the grocery store and she'll insist on bringing a little purse with her. It'll, it'll be full of all kinds of stuff, like packed, like it's just packed about to explode. And sometimes I'll ask her, like, hey, babe, show me what you got in your purse there. Like, what, what is it? She'll pull out like a tiny baby doll, just a little bitty one, and she's like, I just got this in here. And she needs three diapers and a blanket. She'll put a, She'll have like a, a plastic stethoscope, because you never know when you need one of those, right? She'll have like a, uh, she'll have like a toy baked potato. She'll be like, this is in case we get hungry. I'm like, why do you have a toy baked potato? That's awesome. And, So she has these random things, and it's the thing, um, she loves to pack those things, and it's cute, and those bags are fun when she's playing and when she's pretending, but for a real trip where we need some real goods, I don't want her packing my bag, okay? Uh, I love to go hiking. I love to go camping. I love to kind of go and do outdoorsy stuff, and and when I go and when I pack for, like, let's say an overnight hiking trip, I'm going to pack some other things. I'm going to start with, say, I don't know, water, (laughs) water. Food, clothes, shelter, something to make a fire with. And then when we start getting real crazy, maybe I'll pack a toothbrush, right? We want to we start with the essentials and then move on from there. That's our goal. Um, our 24 hours is a lot like that bag. It's a lot like that bag. And I think some of us forget to fill it with the stuff that's most vital and most important first. Because after we get the survival equipment from a hiking trip... Then I'll think about, do I need a deck of cards? Do I need some stuff to entertain myself? Do I need some stuff to do other things while I'm out on the trail? Life is the same way. We get the same 24 hours, and my question is, how do you choose what to fill it with? Jesus said, Martha chose what is good, but Mary, she chose what is better. And this cannot be taken away from her. So how can we choose what's best for feeding our soul? How do we make that decision? I think we can learn a lot by looking at Mary and Martha. And so what I want to do is just draw like a real simple two-point application conclusion for us today. Something that uh, you can kind of translate it however you want to. This is how it's hit me in the face. But I think the first thing that we can see that Mary did in choosing better, let me point out, it's very likely that there were times when Martha chose better than Mary, right? Sometimes we get in the habit of putting people up on pedestals and saying they do everything perfectly. And so I want to say that about Mary. I want to say it about me. I want to say it about the people that stand on the stage and the people that you look up to. We can find really good principles for life by watching people who do it well, but we only look at Jesus for the perfect example. So what can we learn from Mary? Well, uh, first of all, I think we can see what Mary did was, the first point, she found perspective. She found perspective. Martha had tunnel vision. You know what I mean? She had blinders on. She could see only one thing, and that was the tasks in front of her. She saw, wash the dishes, make the food, whatever. Finding perspective is about taking the blinders off, coming outside of the tunnel, and looking at the whole picture, or, or at least as much as you can see. Jesus, the greatest teacher ever, is sitting in your house. How do you want to leverage that awesome opportunity, right? Right? When you want to find perspective in real life, like outside, and you're trying to find out where you are, what do you do? You climb to the highest place. You, you, you back up from a picture to see the big picture and the whole screen. Uh, you, you try to see the bigger reality. Perspective is realizing your place in the grand scheme of things. Perspective is not trying to see what I can control. Perspective is seeing where do I fall under God's control? So the first thing I think we can really learn from Mary and Martha is find perspective. We need to find perspective on how we spend our 24 hours, what we pack in that day. And that's probably the first step to learning how to choose what's better, how to find what's best. That's the first thing. Pretty quick, pretty easy, right? Find perspective. The second thing is this, prioritize, prioritize. The second lesson I think we see from Mary and and Martha about choosing what's better is to learn to prioritize because perspective leads leads directly to prioritizing. Once you gain perspective, you go, oh, I know what's important now. You know, the house is on fire. I should leave. It's okay that the dishes aren't clean, right? Like, once you find perspective, you can immediately decide on priorities. It becomes a lot easier. When my daughter packs her little bags and containers, she packs them with priority in her mind. Her priority is playing and pretending. Right? Good priority to a five year little girl. That's great. I'm glad she has that priority and perspective. It's great. What drives her to pack the things she does is her priority and her perspective. For my hiking trip, for the bag that I'm gonna take for that day hike or whatever it is, my priorities become different. Basic needs. Survival. That's why I choose what I choose. And you know, we have reasons for why we pack and why we pack what we pack into our twenty-four hours, don't we? We got reasons. What are some reasons that you might have? You might have a desire to fit into a certain mold you know, everyone else my age and my social status is doing this so that's why i fill my day with these things that's the priority that's the perspective that you have i have to do this stuff to fit in or to be accepted maybe maybe you fill your, your 24 with things that make other people happy you're so selfless minded that and i'm not saying it's good or bad it's just that's just the priority that you chose and that's why you're packing what you're packing maybe it's to make money you know, I know people who work 80, 90, 100 hours a week and, and they just work themselves to the bone. And then when you talk to them about life, all they talk about is how much money they made or how many bills they have. Or That's the perspective, which leads to the priority, which is why you work 95 hours a week. That's why you pack your day with that. Maybe it's something deeper. Maybe, maybe we fill our schedule because we're having a hard time filling our hearts or relationally. And I just want to stay busy because it keeps my mind off of something else. It's a therapeutic model. (laughs) Stay busy. Maybe it's because no one ever pointed out to you that how you spend your time matters. That's what I want to do today. I don't want to take for granted that we should just all know how to manage our time so we can grow spiritually. I want us all to step back and gain some perspective. And step in and prioritize our life accordingly. It matters How we fill our day. Martha's priorities were the preparation. They weren't even bad things. They were good things. Like I said, I'm sure the guys appreciated the hospitality. But they were distractions from something better. Jesus was in her house. What are you prioritizing? Is it possible that the way that you are prioritizing is actually keeping you away from God? I can speak from experience and say, yeah, that's totally possible. The way we prioritize can keep us away from God. The way that we prioritize can get us closer to God. Guys, Jesus is what it's all about. I try every week to bring everything back to Jesus. I talk about a lot of stuff from this stage, but Jesus makes all of this other stuff worth it. One reason I love Jesus is that he hasn't asked us to do anything that he wasn't willing to first do himself. Jesus looked at the big picture. He found perspective, and he saw that the only way to bring us back into the love of God was to come down to the earth and do that. And so that's why I love what it says, says, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. Jesus came to earth because he found priority, Philippians chapter 2 is a great book that was written by a guy named Paul who was the first Christian missionary who went, from, uh, who went around the world to the non-Jewish world to tell them about Jesus. And he talks about Jesus and he said, you know, our attitude should be a lot like Jesus's because Jesus was equal with God. He was God. In case you haven't been here a week where I said this, Jesus is God. Jesus is what happens when God decides to become human, put on human flesh and come and live as a human. That's, and then we call him Jesus. That's what he told us to call him. And in Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus let go of his godness. So he didn't consider equality with God something that it should be held on to. But what did he do? He made himself into nothing. He took on the likeness of a human. And he was obedient to the laws of humanity, even unto death. Why? So that he could take the place for us. He could die for us so that we could live. Because what did Jesus do? He defeated death. He rose from the grave. Jesus said, I found perspective. I chose priority and I acted accordingly. He's not asking us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. And so his priority was to come to the earth and do something about our sin problem and our separation from God problem. And Jesus put us first. You know what? We are his priority. It's amazing to think about. The creator of the universe chooses us and mary chose to sit at his feet how cool must that have been and jesus said mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her can we stop can we just can we just stop being so busy Can we just take that flag of our life and say, I hereby claim this time in the name of, it's my life. I'm going to do what I want to do with it. I'm going to stop being so busy. And we could draw back and gain some perspective and then begin to prioritize our lives accordingly. What I want to encourage you to do is take some time this week to sit down. Sit down and get some perspective on life. Do it this afternoon. Do it at lunch with your family. Do it tonight before you go to bed. Get a little piece of paper and jot it down and say, I got 24. What am I going to do with it? What am I filling it with? And just write it down. I know I spend this many hours at work. I spend this many hours sleeping, this many hours eating, this many hours doing this and this. And then just go, huh. This actually probably explains my spiritual health. Where, is my, where are my priorities? What have I packed into my 24 first? And then, then you might be in a place this morning where you came because a friend invited you, or you, you. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You're not really sure about the whole God thing. And as I tell you this, you're like, uh, yeah, you this is not something I'm interested in at all. You know what? Let me just encourage you to do this. Take this principle of priorities and repack your 24 and see if it makes a difference. And recognize this is a principle that comes from the Bible. It's something that we can see all throughout the Bible that God says, put me first. And then everything else good will come to you. But put me first. But just start with just prioritizing your life. You'll gain some breathing room. It won't be so crazy. And we can all do that. Jesus said something in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 29. And it's something that, uh, actually I think Patrick used it a few weeks ago when he preached. When Jesus is talking about the idea of putting him first and choosing to live a life for him, he, he says this phrase. I just want to read it to you and we'll kind of break it up. This is Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. He says, Come to me, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Breathe that in for a second. The idea of rest. I love that. It's something we could all look forward to. No more rushing, no more craziness. Here's the last of it. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for what? For your soul. We're talking about soul food today, feeding your soul. I want to point something out. Look at this passage. It says um, in the second sentence, Take my yoke upon you. The word yoke there is a pretty interesting word. Back in Jesus' time if you were a rabbi, if you were a teacher, you had a set of teachings and principles and lifestyle that you uh, encouraged your students to live by. That, that whole collection of things was called your yoke. It was also the word used for the thing that might hold uh, two beasts of burden together like two oxen if as they pulled a, a cart or something They have a bar across their neck. It would be the yoke. The yoke is something that you can kind of wear across your neck to help guide you or decide where you're going to go. And a teacher would call his set of teachings and his values and his lifestyle and things he encourages students to do, he would call that their yoke. Check out what Jesus says. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. You know what Jesus is asking you to do? Jesus, God in the flesh, Savior of the world is inviting us Come sit at his feet. Learn from him and listen and nourish our soul. You know, we're going to spend the next few weeks, as we kind of get to the tail end of this series, uh, we're going to be talking about some practical ways you can actually grow and do and become fed spiritually. But today is a real good starting point to lay a baseline and a foundation. To say, you know what? I need to take a step back. Gain some perspective, and begin to prioritize, and then sit at the feet of Jesus and let Him teach. Maybe it's time we cut some junk out of our twenty-four. Maybe it's time we pull some things out that are distracting us from growing closer to God. And then we can really find some soul food. Let's pray. God, I love you, and I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity just to share Your Word, uh, for the um, for the love in this room. Uh, man, I've just grown so close with so many in this room, and, uh, and I know even those. Uh, who, who maybe I personally haven't met and grown with, I love to see they're building relationships and growing with each other. God, I pray that this can be a community where we can grow. We talk about being church for people who don't like church. And that's something that can hopefully get someone who's open to God, but church really hasn't been for them. Maybe get them into our community. But God, we are still Christians first. So God, may we sit at your feet when we lose perspective. May we put down the dishes and the Cheerios, sheets, and find out what you want us to do with our 24. We love you so much. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.